it is like a colloquial term here that if you do STEM, then you're a techie. And if you're a humanities person, you're a fuzzy. And they say that if you're an interdisciplinary person who does both, like if you major in symbolic systems, for example, then you're considered like a fucky. Let's get on to like actual Stanford college experience and such. So you're coming into Stan, you got in, obviously. Actually, tell me your reaction. How was your reaction when you got into Stanford? I cried. I I told myself I was not going to open my my admissions at school. And I was like, I'm going to wait until I get home. And I looked at the clock and I was like, screw it. I'm going to open them right now. <laughs> and, I, and I opened them and I had gotten in and I... Um, it was like in the middle of my chemistry class and we were doing a lab actually. So I was totally slacking off to look at my admissions decision. Um, and there you go. You just started crying in chemistry class. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> and, then I started, and then I stopped because people were busy and I, I, I told like one person, I didn't tell anybody else. Um, the one person that I was sitting at the table with and then during classic period, I like extra cried, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's a, it's a huge accomplishment. It's amazing getting into one of those schools. So now we are on college experience. So before we get into your own personal experience, can you just give us a, I guess we could say a quick rundown of Stanford as a college or as a university? And I'll give you some examples. So like, you know, some schools have like a school of medicine, a school of engineering, school of music and such. And then, you know, some, for example, Yale, they have this really cool system with their dorms their residential areas and how they structure it so can you just give us like a quick overview of stanford as a university what do they do with the different majors how do how are the dorms set up and what does stanford offer yes of course um so stanford is a liberal arts institution undergrad population is around 7200 it isn't too big um and but we have like a huge campus like I always joke that Stanford is like a country club it feels a little bit like high school musical too <laughs> and and oftentimes like people will like the the problem is like you sit inside too much as a college student like you sit at your desk and you spend an entire day sitting at your desk but I think here at Stanford like the bigger issue is like wanting to go outside and spending the entire day outside instead of doing your schoolwork. Mm-hmm. and that was something that I liked a lot and something that I still like and honestly find pretty true. The weather here is amazing. Um, I would say that no matter where you go across campus, um, you will always find something amazing, like something, something really wonderful, something to explore, something that is renowned. Um, and I say that because at, you know how you can think of like certain colleges and you're like, oh, this college is known for their law program or like this college is known for like having a, an amazing pre-med program. At Stanford, mm-hmm. 40% of our undergraduates are computer science majors, and 90% of the undergraduate population takes the intro to CS class. Um, but I would say, like, literally, like, every single department here is is really powerful. Um, and that's something that I really like. 40% are computer science majors? Yes. 40% are computer science majors. Oh, wow. We're the hardest to look on Valley, like, through and through. I mean, 40%, that's incredible. I mean... I can understand why Stanford, obviously, it's, you know, California, Silicon Valley, as you said. Okay, so now it's like we've gotten like the logistics of Stanford out of the way, how it's structured. So let's get into your actual experience. Another thing I want to talk about is I think it's just completely unfair, the college process, especially for 
first generation low income because you don't have the resources to do well in high school. I mean, you did, you had QuestBridge and stuff, but a lot of people don't know they have this stuff. They don't have access. And it's really unfair because even for like the high school student that does go to a competitive high school, college is a completely different universe. It's much harder. And I can only imagine how much harder it is for people who weren't thoroughly prepared. So can you tell us about your experience coming into Stanford, like your own personal struggle struggles with the transition from high school to college or university? Of course. My transition was pretty rough. I am not going to lie. Um, I honestly feel like I have just barely gone over the hump of my transition, um, which means that I'm like, I, I now feel like I have the room to grow. Um, but that is that is true. Like what you were saying about how, how college is a lot harder than people make it out to be. Um, I think for me, like the biggest thing is coming to a predominantly white institution um, mm-hmm. in a predominantly extremely wealthy institution um like like stanford boasts the fact that it has produced the the most number of billionaires in the entire world and i'm like i'm not sure that that's something to really be proud of um (laughs) um so 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 coming to college and and living in like a frosh dorm um so when as a freshman you get to say that you either want to live in all freshman dorm or you can live in like an ethnic themed house or like a combination of uh, different classes in one dorm and I got placed into a freshman dorm. Um, over here, we call freshman frosh. So I'll just say that. And and being in my frosh dorm is like the first time that I had gone to school with people who are wealthy, um, like like dead ass, like people who made more than the seventy five thousand income bracket above that. Um, the first time that I had gone to people with, or I had gone to school with white people. Um, the first time that I was surrounded by like by I would say like just there's that much like privilege um and I think that it's really interesting to think about my position here on campus as someone who has been able to to like really gain access to these type of opportunities and who is highly committed to sharing it with my community because I know that that isn't like the same standard for the entire institution and it becomes clear in like a couple of specific ways um for me, honestly, like I, I will be completely frank in saying that like I feel like I'm hyper aware of class differences and that is like one of the biggest things at Stanford. Um, and so my transition was just like rough. Like I, there's this thing called the Stanford Duck Syndrome. Um, have you heard of that before? Look, I watched this YouTuber. She goes to Stanford and she's thrown a lot at me. It sounds familiar, but I can't remember exactly what that means. What YouTuber was it? Her, I don't know her whole name, but the channel is Kath Path. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know uh, her. I I don't know Kath Path, but I know of Kath Path. Uh-huh. I've like seen her across campus and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Stanford Duck Syndrome is real, and and basically the idea of it is like you know how you see like a duck coasting on the water. It looks like it's like going smoothly, right? Just like minding its business, but underneath it's paddling super hard to stay afloat. That at Stanford is like the it's like the realest thing ever and imposter syndrome um like in comparing yourself to your peers to to the environment that you're in um I would say that we definitely are a school that is more collaborative than competitive which means that you don't have to fight to like get into a certain major or to do well in a class um and you don't have to fight to like find a community who is there and supportive and 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 like makes you feel secure but the biggest competition is with yourself because there are so many high achieving people here. Um, and because we live in such a fast paced environment where 
a lot of things are are based on on honestly like um on who you know and 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 like how well you do in something in your meritocracy um it feels hard to it feels hard to move beyond when you don't feel confident you know like it's, it's it feels really hard to make a friction and to make a difference um where so much is already happening and i have another question and this is not just exclusive to stanford this is i think yeah my question is centered around top schools in general and the one you go to is stanford so the college admissions process is honestly pretty random you can be the most competitive applicant be an incredible person and you still may get rejected from top schools it's really just it depends on so many things and sometimes it's just completely random and i know that everyone who goes to stanford you know got in so everyone knows they're like worthy of being here but are there some people who just like in a top school in general just boast about their accomplishments like oh you know at the age of 16 i had this you know that i did this or like at the age of 17 i had already accomplished this so coming in was anybody like that you know, boasting about their accomplishments, trying to, because Stanford, obviously you have some of the most amazing people, but then do you ever see like competition to see who's the best of the quote unquote best? Um, I know that people like that exist, but I will say that I'm fortunate to not be friends with anyone like that or to, to have had experiences like that. Um, I honestly, like, I just stick to the fly community. <laughs> like, we all know each other. There's maybe like a hundred of us per class. Um, and literally, like, we all know about each other. Um, and so I find that pretty cool. There was this one time when, this was actually my, my like, very first conversation having some, or my very first time having a conversation like this. But there was this one time last quarter, so the beginning of my sophomore year, where I met a freshman. And the first thing that he said to me was that he has experience in venture capital. And I was like, it's nice to meet you too. Um, <laughs> and, and I bet, I mean, I, I bet there are people like that across the entire campus, but I wouldn't say that it is, like, very dominant. Okay, okay, okay. And let's get on to the thing Stanford is known for, computer science. 40%, you said, of people major in computer science. Again, you said you were interested in STEM, but exactly how did you come upon computer science as a major? Ooh, so I have always had, I've always been really interested in computers. Um, they're, they're like my favorite thing. Um and technology is a very exciting thing for me. I I feel like what what I was saying earlier about how it feels like social justice and being a part of the tech industry like completely clash. I think that that is like something that we have to really reframe um, and like rethink, you know, and 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 just like understanding that like justice work is like a part of literally like every industry, like every decade, every group of people, like something that has to, everybody has to be involved in. Um, and so when I think about like the tech industry and when I think about the Silicon Valley, it is very different from my home and from what I know, but I get excited because I'm like, this is the future. Um, and with the rapid innovation of technology, you know, like now we have AI and we have like algorithms, some that are more powerful and beyond our understanding, like we can't even control them anymore. But I think that like at the beginning of such a powerful tech era, if we can hone in on these concepts and like really restructure what the tech industry is and what it could be, like we can, we can, we can create like a very good and very like justice-centered uh, world. And Dude. is that kind of why you got into computer science or perhaps did you kind of arrive at computer science after trying out different sort of engineering or tech related majors? 
Yeah, exactly. So that's, I think that's, I honestly like went directly to CS. Um, mm-hmm. I did Girls Who Code when I was in high school. And um, I um, I wanted to, I came to Stanford wanting to do like aerospace, but it proved yeah. for me. <laughs> and I just really like my computer. Like my computer is my best friend, honestly. And it felt kind of natural to, to declare CS. I do think that I'll be switching my major pretty soon into our interdisciplinary CS major, which is called symbolic systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and symbolic systems is a combination of four different majors. So it's CS, philosophy, psychology, and linguistics. Um, and I think that is honestly just like perfect. Like, I, I think that sounds exactly like we were just talking about, about like combining justice and tech. Well, that's amazing. Those are like completely different things, you know, opposite sides of the spectrum. And Again, with that channel, Kath Path, she, you know, you know, she does vlogs and then she does like what her college application was about. But then she also talks about Stanford as well and as a, as a school. So one of the things she was saying, I think she's also, no, 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 I think she's a political science major, but she did dabble with computer science. And she was saying how in Stanford, it is known for its computer science and other, you know, tech programs as well. But she was saying how there's a clear divide between people who major or do something related to in the STEM field versus others who are perhaps in like the humanities. And I think she used the term fuzzy for like fuzzy for humanities students. Can you get get deeper into that? Can you explain what that means? Yeah, sure. So that's, it is like a colloquial term here that if you do STEM and you're a techie and if you're a humanities person, you're a fuzzy. And they say that if you're an interdisciplinary person who does both, like if you major in symbolic systems, for example, then you're considered like a fucky. <laughs> um, so I consider myself like a fucky. Um, I I like never hear anyone ever talking about that though, to be honest. Ooh, how did, <laughs> I'm not going to say that word on here, but uh, okay. It's, it's, it's an interesting term. Okay. Now back more to your college experience and such. I want to talk about first semester because that's the, I I would say so far for the people I've interviewed, they say it's probably one of the hardest semesters in transition wise. And I want to specifically go into like academics wise, rigor wise, the difference between high school and college. And I've said this a lot, but because I am in high school and I'm living through it in high school, you can BS a lot. You can just, you know, kind of half-ass it and get by fine, get your A, get your B. But in college, I've heard from numerous people, it's completely different. Like you just, I mean, maybe there are some things you can BS your way through, but some, most things you really can't. So can you describe the transition there? Like what makes high school academics and rigor different from college? Like what's, what specifically is the difference there and what makes it harder? Yes. Um, So true about BSing. I feel like something, something that's always said is like, you know, work smarter, not harder. (laughs) Um, I think that's true in college too. Um, Especially during like COVID-19, I think it, I will, I will say that you really learn to, you really learn how significant your emotions are and actually how significant your well-being is. Um, I think that if you, it is, it is pretty difficult here um, academically, but if you were to go to a professor, my favorite thing is like everybody goes by their first name. So you can hit a professor, call them their first name and be like, hey, I'm feeling like super unwell. Um, 
and you're like, please, can, do you, I hope you understand. Like, can I ever see some academic accommodations? And they'll do it, whether we're in a pandemic or not. And I think that that is like amazing um, because at the end of the day, like it's all about, you know, it, it really is about like mastering the content and mastering the skills, not necessarily like grinding and grinding and grinding and then like forgetting it when you go to sleep. Um, I would say like the biggest difference is, is that, it feels like your resources in high school are a lot more hands-on, you know, so you can, you can like raise your hand and ask your professor or you can ask your teacher something, or you can stay after class to talk to your teacher. And it's the same here, but there are just so many more people and people are like pressed for time. Um, and that means that in a lot of classes and a lot of departments, when you go to a lecture, it is, you're expected to come into the class, like having your questions ready and expected to know the content. So you have to do a lot of preparation beforehand um lecture is lecture so you go off you learn something and there's no time to really like review um even if you're confused in lecture then you're gonna stay confused for the entire lecture until you have time to sit down at your desk and like look through your notes um and to attend office hours office hours are huge and we have like we also have like a great tutoring service um in different departments it's normal to be confused in college like if you're in class like if you think you suck at this class like that is completely normal because everybody else thinks that they suck. <laughs> so in Stanford, what kind of flexibility do they give you in the classes that you can do? So you are, of course, you're going to have a specific major, but do they give you flexibility to do other things or pursue other things? Or are you kind of more stuck to your major and then your internships and everything revolve around that? Um. Yes, totally. And I was actually just going to mention that at Stanford, like we don't have, we're not expected to declare a major coming in and we don't have to declare a major until the end of our sophomore year. Literally declaring a major takes like three minutes. <laughs> like you hop on a Zoom with somebody or you visit someone's office hours, you're like, hey, I want to declare a CS for example. And they're like, cool, you're on the list, easy. And it is just as easy to switch your major, to explore different areas, to take classes that you want. And that's why I would highly recommend coming to somewhere like Stanford or like a liberal arts institution where you don't have any expectations around what you study. The only expectation is like meeting your major requirements, obviously. So you have to be smart and like when you declare and what classes you take. But beyond that, you have complete academic freedom. Um, here we only have, we have, we have like requirements, um, but no one really like, cares about the requirements i mean you have to get them done but you get them done like naturally because every class fulfills like some sort of requirement mm-hmm. and we only have three general education courses so you have to take one that is called college um it, it was formerly known as thinking matters it's basically a philosophy course so so every person is required to take a philosophy course one intro to writing course and then an intro to oral communications course and those are the only three requirements that we have mm-hmm. and, my, I think like one of the biggest pieces of advice that I would give and that I've received is to always take something that you're interested in. So even though you, you may have to meet certain requirements per quarter because, you know, certain classes are only offered during certain quarters, like it's a really good idea to do something that excites you because you, when you have the room um, and it, it, you know, it keeps your intellectual vitality. It keeps you motivated during the school year, um, things like that. And another thing I want to go over is because I think, most people I've interviewed and just most colleges and universities in general, I think they go off of a semester-based school year, but I know Stanford goes off a quarter quarter system. I think Northwestern does too. So can you quickly explain what the quarter system is in case for people who don't know? Because I think the most common type is semester. So you just have two semesters in a year. Mm-hmm. Quarter system. Yeah. So we have three quarters. 
Um, technically, we have four, but we have three academic quarters, which are the fall, the winter, and the spring. Um, that means that we start school very late. Typically, it's around like September 20th when we start the fall quarter, and then we end spring quarter um, mid-June. Mm-hmm. Um, and our quarter system is means that we have 10 weeks per quarter. Typically, a semester system is like 13 to, to 16 weeks or something like that. Um, and with a quarter system, it's very fast paced. Um, so, so that's why, that's why I think like academics are extra hard just because you have to fit in so much in 10 weeks. And in a lot of classes, it's like, you have to be, if you are behind on like one or two days of content, like it's really easy to kind of have it snowball and you, you get behind on like several weeks. Um, so you really do have to be like on top of your game. You have to you have to be performing well in order to just like stay on top of your classes. And the quarter system is rough, but I prefer it above the semester system. And you do have your like exam at the end. There's no midterm. It's just one big exam at the end. No, we have um, the entire quarter system is honestly considered midterm season. I have one class where I have five midterms. And so I, that means I have a midterm every two weeks. Um, and that is pretty hard. <laughs> and this quarter specifically, like I'm taking, I'm taking three big classes or like three classes that have midterms and they're all like spread out. So in one class, I have one every two weeks and another, I have one every three weeks. And then the other one only has like two, but that means that I have a midterm every single week. <laughs> that sounds awful. and like it's you don't have i know in college this is just a general thing for college you don't have extra like i guess you could call homework participation points your like whole grade is riding on these exam scores oh it's a combination we have we have like maybe like 25 percent of your score will be homework so one week like you and then 10 percent is attendance and then like um, sixty-five percent of my exams, or something like that. Okay, okay, that sounds pretty even then. Pretty even. Okay, one last thing I want to discuss before we kind of wrap up here is we got to talk about like Silicon Valley and Stanford, you know, and internship-wise. So, can you tell me about the kind of the connections Stanford has with? I mean, Silicon Valley is right there, so of course, I'm sure a lot of people intern all at all the big tech companies. So. Can you tell me, like, do is that typical, like, of a Stanford student to get an internship at one of these huge companies? I don't know, like, Google's over there, some other high-tech, maybe Uber's over there as well. So is it common for, like, a Stanford student to get an internship there? Do big tech companies look specifically for Stanford students? Yes. Um, I would say Stanford is, like, the heart of the Silicon Valley. Literally, it was born out of Stanford. Mm-hmm. So the Silicon Valley is, like, it is structured outside of Stanford and honestly is just an extension of like the 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 network that we have um of course that has it is it has its negative ramifications you know like in this area gentrification is extremely high um like class disparities are also extremely high that means that the communities that are located directly outside of the Silicon Valley have a very different experience than the ones who are in who like grow up in Palo Alto and Mountain View um but yeah, it is it, it is true that most people will get an internship or something like that at like big companies. Um, I think Stanford is one of maybe three or four schools that companies actively recruit from. Um, so mm. throughout the entire year, we'll have different career fairs. Like I know that week three of the fall quarter, this is kind of hard for freshmen because freshmen like don't know what they're doing when they come in. 
But week three of the fall quarter, like there is this tradition where we have a massive career fair and the entire school walks around with like resumes and you can talk to anybody one-on-one and just hand your resume in. And a lot of times people will get recruited from them. And so, you know, we're, we're one of the only schools that like tech companies recruit from just because we are like the center of it all. That's amazing. So you just like, you, they just set up a huge fair, like Google's in their place, Uber's like over there and you just walk around. You're like, hey, nice to meet you. Please give me an internship. Just walk. We have Boeing on one side, we have like, and then we have some that happen in the winter quarter. It, we also have other ones that are kind of like a Google startup fair. Um, we have like this thing called the Haas Center, Haas Center for Public Service. And that one is more dedicated to like government and politics and public service related things. But we have like, we basically, we just have a lot of programs set up in place so that you always have something to do and that you always have the resources to do it, which means that if you want an internship, but they're not going to give you money, then the school can give you a stipend if you apply for one or that you can apply for a grant or something like that. That's incredible. And are you expecting to, I know COVID has, you know, mixed everything up and people, it's, it's kind of difficult to get internships and like know where to start, but do you plan if we do end up going back, which is, I guess this fall coming fall, do you plan to like get internships at one of these big tech companies? I don't know. Um, I do think about that often. So I actually have, I worked at a startup for 15 months um, from my fall quarter of my freshman year up until the beginning of my winter quarter, sophomore year. So I quit the job like a month ago. Um, And it is called Street Code Academy. It's based in East Palo Alto. And we provide like free, we provide free STEM education and STEM resources Basically, the idea is like mindset, skills, and access to the under underserved and upper-represented communities who are impacted by the development of the Silicon Valley. Um, and so, and so, you know, like amazing work like that comes out of comes out of things like this too. Um, I think it is a very interesting relationship, and I honestly don't know if I want to go into the tech industry like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm only a sophomore, so I'm exploring. And well, I you def- really are about social justice work. incredible okay so princess we're coming to an end here and there's something i do with everybody which is advice so one piece of advice for current high school students and again this could be about anything whether to do like really good on college applications what college application tips you would give or just you know generic life advice in general for high schoolers and then another is for college students and I guess this is more aimed at college students who are perhaps, you know, freshmen, maybe sophomores who are really confused because college is a different universe. It's completely different, no matter your academic or smartness level. So what advice would you give for high school students and what would you give for college students who are maybe struggling or don't know their place? Mm-hmm. So to everybody, dream big. Um, seriously, like if you come in with a bigger picture, maybe you have to meet little milestones along the way and all the steps are necessary, but um, it j- just be solid in what you want um, and what you know that you can achieve. Like never forget your worth. I think a lot of times when you're going into college um, or even when you're, when you're going into a more academically competitive environment, whether you are a high school or college student, it's easy to feel imposter syndrome in both the work that you produce and you perform, but also in yourself. So just be rooted in yourself, be rooted in who you are, be rooted in what, in what you love above anything. Um, like don't lose, just don't lose sight. Um, I would say 
when it comes to the college application process, when you are like writing your essays and, and going through the entire thing, don't consider what the admissions officers want to see, but more who you are. Because at the end of the day, like if you are true to yourself and your essays, you feel confident in the work that you're submitting, the school is going to accept you as a person rather than as somebody else who belongs in like the institution. You know what I'm saying? Because we make up the school. The school doesn't make us. We make it up. That's very true there. And what about for college students coming in? Take it easy on yourself, please, dear God. <laughs> like, seriously, take it easy on yourself. Don't don't fret about how much time you have. Um, don't fret about how many resources you have or how, how of all of your different failures. I think it's really good to admit failure and to really learn for them. Um, to, to other first generation and low income students in particular, I know that it feels like every single opportunity lost is like the world lost, but just remind yourself that like they're gonna keep coming. Um, and that as long as you, as long as you continue striving, continue working, of course, taking necessary breaks here and there. Like I'm taking a leave next quarter just because I really don't think I can do school anymore. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you put yourself first, um, then everything else will fall into place. I had a friend remind me recently that joy is like the best revolution. So joy is the only true revolution. So if we ever really want to change the world, whether that's you working at some big tech company or you being in local government or anything like that, like it's always, it's always your contentedness before anything. Very good advice there. Thank you very much for coming today. And for you, it would be afternoon. So have a good rest of your day. Of course. Thank you so much, Camilla. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it for part two of my interview slash the last part of my interview with Princess. If you have not checked out part one, make sure to do that. Also, make sure to subscribe because next week I'll be releasing an interview with my first transfer student from community college to Boston University. You do not want to miss that. And also, if you don't know, make sure to check out my blog, acollegekid.com for more college-related content. Well, other than that, I hope to see you in the next one. (laughs) 